I can remember my dad telling some stories about his struggles as a student in high school times. Um, he played on the ball team and therefore had to keep his grades up so that he could qualify to play in, in the sporting events, but he had some particular trouble with English. English grammar was not his strong suit at all, and he was struggling to get a passing grade in English so he could stay on the basketball team and so he went to his English teacher uh, to ask for some help. What could he do to possibly get a passing grade? Well, the teacher decided to be sort of gracious to him and said, I'll tell you what, if you can conjugate for me the verb to be, I'll give you a passing grade in English this semester. And so my dad said, okay, I could do that. He said, I to be, you to be, he to be, <laughs> she to be. Of course, that wasn't what the teacher was wanting at all. Uh, and so there was a problem with the passing grade. You, you realize, of course, that the proper conjugation of the verb to be in the present tense, for instance, is I am, you are, he is. That's the verb to be. And my dad should have known that and didn't. They'd been studying that. And so in, in the present tense, it's I am, you are, he is. But in the past tense, to conjugate the verb to be, I was, you were, he was. And in the future tense, I will be, you will be, he will be, and so forth, right? So that's what you have to do. You have to think about time. When in time are you talking about? If you're going to conjugate the verb to be, are you talking about past, present, or future? And that would dictate how you conjugate that verb. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about something that is dictated in time, something very important. Uh, and so I want to talk with you this morning about salvation. It's interesting that Jack led us in a number of songs talking about the judgment to come. And in view of judgment to come, salvation is a very important subject. But I want to approach it maybe a little differently this morning by breaking it down in time, viewing salvation from points in time to see what we can learn about this very important subject. Thanks for being here this morning. We're very grateful for the presence of each and every one. Uh, we, we draw great encouragement from your presence. We enjoy associating together, but especially we appreciate the privilege of being able to approach God in worship as we join together in these times. And we're glad that it's important to you and that you've made an effort to be here today. Thanks for being here. We especially greet our visitors who are with us. We're grateful that you've come, and we want you to come back every time you have a chance. And we're certainly open to any questions that you might have and would offer assistance with Bible study in any way that you need. Just let us know how we can help. Thanks for being here this morning. Let's talk about salvation as viewed in time. First thing I want to do here is draw a timeline. You're familiar with timelines. So this is a timeline, and that's m moving toward the future, going that way, all right? That's easy enough to visualize, I hope. And when we start uh, to address this timeline, the first point in time that we're going to put there is this point in time, relative to salvation, sometimes when salvation is spoken about, it's spoken as a potential. It hasn't happened yet, but it's possible. And really, anybody who wants to can participate in this. And so when you think about salvation, sometimes you think about salvation in regards to any accountable individual and salvation can be viewed as something that he could participate in if he chooses to do so. It hasn't happened yet, 
but it could. It's possible. A verse, uh, a, a scripture, a passage of scripture that so clearly illustrates this is the great commission that Jesus spoke as recorded in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. Jesus said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Notice here, when it's talking about salvation, it talks about some who shall be saved. Now, that's spoken of off in the future. It hasn't happened yet, but it clearly can happen. The salvation that's being described there can be obtained, but it's contingent upon obeying the conditions stated relative to that salvation. Do you see that? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. There are several things that are important in this verse or passage of Scripture. There are several things that are really important here that prove that some of the notions taught by men are in error concerning salvation. For instance, this text would deny the false doctrine of universalism, wouldn't it? The universalists teach that all will be saved. No one will be lost. But this clear statement indicates that there are some who will be saved but the salvation is contingent upon them doing what is required. Believe and be baptized. Those who believe and are baptized shall be saved. So the passage denies universalism. It also denies the false Calvinistic doctrine of unconditional election. You understand what the Calvinist says about that? He's, the Calvinist says some people are chosen or elected for salvation. That's all predetermined. You really don't have anything to do with that. It was it was dictated long before you were ever born. Certain people were chosen to be saved and others are going to be lost. And you couldn't change that if you wanted to. The saved will be saved. The lost will be lost. And whichever camp you're in, that's preset. You can't alter that. Well, not according to this passage. This passage says that the gospel was to go to every creature, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Well, why would you bother to preach to people who wouldn't even have the opportunity to be saved if they wanted to be. The gospel was to go to every creature. And among all those, the ones who choose to believe and be baptized will be saved. Salvation is not something predetermined. It's not that you were predestined or elected to salvation or not. It's simply, that's simply not the case. Also, third, the clear statement of Jesus in, in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, proves that Salvation is not by faith only. If you want to engage this, if you want to participate in this salvation, what must you do? Believe and be baptized. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So many people these days have bought into the doctrine of salvation by faith only. That all you have to do is believe. That's what Jesus said. He said you have to believe, of course. They also said you have to be baptized in order to enjoy salvation. In James chapter 2, uh, verses 24 and 26, we see it so plainly. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And so when we think about salvation, the first thing that we point, want to point out is that you could view salvation as something that hasn't happened yet, but can happen. It's, it's not been achieved yet, but it's possible. 
And for every accountable person in our assembly this morning, for that matter, for every accountable person in the whole world today, everybody can be right there at that point in time. You can have salvation if you want it. It's a potential. And salvation is sometimes spoken of in that way. But moving on in this point of time reference, another way that salvation is described is described for those who have been obedient as something that has happened now. Past sins are forgiven. So among all who are eligible, some will choose to obey, and their salvation is spoken of as something already occurring. That is, their past sins have already uh, uh, been forgiven. Notice in Titus chapter 3, in the text that Josh read for us earlier, Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Notice here, it's spoken in past tense. He saved us. That's past tense, right? Now it's talking about something that has already happened. Maybe think about it this way, by way of illustration. I got paid on Friday. If I said that, what would you think? Well, that's, that's done. That's finished. It's already happened, right? In fact, they can't take that money back from me now, right? If my boss got mad at me on Monday, he can't take back from me the money that they paid me on Friday. I've got that now. That's accomplished. That's finished. That's over with. But that's not necessarily an indicator of what will happen next payday, right? If I say, I got paid on Friday, that, w that would certainly talk about what's happened concerning past events, but it wouldn't address at all what might transpire in the future. You would understand that, right? And so in regards to salvation, when Paul says here, he saved us, what he's talking about is past sins. Our past sins have been washed away. And this is looking back to that. Uh, all former sins are forgiven when we are obedient to the gospel. Now, that, that's a great thing, and, and, and that's a wonderful thing for us to, to consider that our past sins can be forgiven. You might notice here that he says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. In other words, this is not something that we have earned. We've done so much that God has to save us just because we have gone out and accomplished it on our own. We've done enough to earn salvation. No, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And it mentions there, again, the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That washing of regeneration would tie in nicely with the familiar statement in Acts 22, verse 16. Why tarriest thou, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sin, calling on the name of the Lord. When we submit to baptism, our past sins are washed away. I want to tell you, uh, that's a wonderful thing. And we would simply ask the question, have you enjoyed that forgiveness of past sins? Can you speak of your salvation in that sense as having been accomplished? Past sins have been washed away. You've been saved from your past sins. Are you at this point in time? If you're not, realize, as we said earlier, everybody is eligible. You could participate, but you can't say, I have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ if you haven't been obedient. What about you? 
Where do you stand in point of time referencing your salvation? But moving on, we can talk about uh, this person who was saved from past sins. He needs to view his salvation as a continuing process. It's not, as we sometimes say, a done deal. He was saved from his past sins, but now he has to continue on to be faithful. Plenty of references in the Scriptures point out to us that salvation is not a finished proposition as long as we're still alive and living here on on this earth. We could demonstrate that with a verse, for instance, from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, this is from the American Standard Version. It says, For the cross, for the word of the cross, for the word of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. Do you notice there that there's a asterisk uh, there with saved? In the, in the American Standard Version, there's a footnote that goes with the word saved, those of us who are saved. The American Standard Version says that that can be literally translated our being saved. And so the construction of this in the original language is talking about a ongoing process. Unto, us, unto those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Think about that for a minute. Who wrote those words? Well, the Apostle Paul, of course, wrote this epistle. And when we think about his life and all that he had done, and the tremendous service that he had rendered, you would think if there, were, if there was anybody ever who could have said, it's, I got my ticket punched, it's a finished thing, there's no chance that I could ever miss going to heaven in eternity. You'd think it'd be the Apostle Paul. Uh, certainly we admire the long life of service and, and tremendous sacrifice which he made in doing the will of God. But... Even Paul said, we're being saved. Not that it's a finished thing, but it's ongoing. Clearly, the New Testament teaches against the false notion of once saved, always saved. Unfortunately, there are people in the religious world, if you were to ask them, they would say, oh yes, if you're saved, you can't ever be lost. There's no way that you could ever so sin as to lose your salvation. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that salvation, viewed from this perspective, is an ongoing proposition. One of the passages that we like to use is the statement in Revelation chapter 2, beginning verse 9. Paul said to some of those suffering Christians of the first century time frame, he says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty. Think back to what it was like in the first century and consider the things that those early Christians suffered. It was really bad. He mentions their tribulation and probably even poverty associated with the fact that they were Christians. They had given up material possession in order to be able to pursue their service to the Lord Jesus Christ. They were troubled. They were poor. They were persecuted. To those Christians, what did Jesus say? He said, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Notice, they were troubled already, but he said there was still some suffering to come, those things which thou shalt suffer. They, were, they had suffered already. There's some more suffering to be done. But notice what he said. Be thou faithful to death, and I'll give thee a crown of life. To those persecuted Christians, 
He still said, you've got to keep on keeping on. You've got to remain faithful. Eternal life, a crown of life, is going to be yours if you remain faithful unto death. And so, even to them, he was telling, it's not finished. What about us? Well, for us, we would have to say, our salvation is not finished. It's not a done deal. What about you this morning? Are you maintaining faithful service to God? Do you realize that if that, of course, is absolutely necessary? Because even though you chose, look at it this way, salvation was made possible, and you chose to accept it, and your past sins were forgiven. But you're not finished yet. Salvation ultimately is still being developed. Well, you haven't achieved it yet. It's still a process that we're undergoing. Finally, in point of time, we can talk about salvation as a future and final destiny for those who are faithful. For all of us that... Uh, understand these things, uh, surely we would agree that heaven is our ultimate goal. And sometimes salvation is spoken of uh, from the perspective of being accomplished in heaven. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 9, Peter said, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. The end of our faith being the salvation of our souls. Peter's talking about that as often in the future when we finally make it, when we have been rewarded in heaven. That's the end of our faith and the salvation of our souls. He, here he's using the, the concept of salvation, talking about that ultimate reward in heaven. In Romans chapter 13, verse 11, Romans chapter 13, verse 11, Paul says, and, and that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Well, look at that statement. Our salvation is nearer than when we believe. Well, wait a minute. Again, this was a statement made by Paul. He was obviously already a Christian. He was a Christian who was therefore saved from his past sins. He was a Christian who had endured a lot, suffered a lot, worked a lot, but he talked about salvation growing nearer. Salvation growing nearer. You mean, Paul, you're not saved yet? Well, not saved in the sense that he had heaven as a finished, final destiny. That wouldn't be determined until this life was over. And so he talks about eternity here, our salvation being nearer than when we believe. And so sometimes salvation is viewed from that perspective, talking about heaven when it is all said and done. All right, now, what about you? If you, were to, if you were to refer to your own situation, where would you be on that spectrum concerning salvation? Well, as we said earlier, everybody, every accountable person here this morning would be in this realm. Salvation is possible for you. Yeah, that's really great news if you stop to think about it. Nobody is excluded. Uh, if, you, if you want this, you can have it. We've illustrated before, could you imagine the terrible situation if there was some physical plague going through our part of the world and they had a cure for it, a very simple cure. You take one pill, you're cured, can't ever get it again, uh, no problem. But you can't have this. We've got these pills, but we're not going to let you have any. The pills are just for special certain people. Can you imagine what a terrible thing that would be? Well, 
Some people, as we said, view salvation that way. It's only for certain special elect or predestined. No. Everybody can participate. So everybody's here at some point. You may still be here. You may still be here at the point where salvation is, a, is possible for you, but you haven't chosen to act upon it. If that's the case, we would urge you not to delay. What's the reason for delay? Why would you postpone obeying the gospel plan of salvation when this is such an important matter? If you're right here this morning, we urge you to make a decision relative to your salvation. And when you do, then you can reach a point where you have the confidence of knowing that all past sins are forgiven and you stand justified in the sight of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing. If you've never experienced that joy, we urge you to do so. Remember the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8 went on his way rejoicing after he'd come to learn about salvation in Christ and had been obedient. You can have that rejoicing today. You can be right here with salvation in hand have, knowing that all your past sins are forgiven. But as we often say, that's not, the, that's not the end of the process. That's really just the beginning point. Because then, you, this is a work in progress. Your salvation is still ongoing. You've got to continue to be faithful. It may be that there's someone here this morning that realizes you haven't been faithful to the Lord. You have not been continuing on in His service as you should. If that's the case, you can forfeit this whole thing. You've not been faithful. We urge you to repent. Come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. And then finally, what we're really looking forward to is that last point where we're in heaven. Final, finished, destiny. Our salvation in heaven is achieved. That's what we're looking for. Now, don't imagine that to be so far off in the future. You know, one of the problems I think we have sometimes when we think about salvation is we think of heaven. Well, that's way off in the future. That's way down the line. No, it's really not. Uh, not for any of us here. For those who are older, it's getting closer and closer. We're beginning to realize it, aren't we? But even for those of you who are young, you're not going to be here for long. Life is not very long. Certainly in contrast to eternity, it's, it's not even a blinking of an eye. Just a split second or less. You're only going to be here briefly. Nothing else in life matters as much as being able to reach that point where salvation, our final finished destiny in heaven is achieved. If you don't have that prospect, if you've not done the things necessary in order to have that hope, we encourage you to take steps immediately and without delay so that you can have that confidence. Are you subject to the Lord's invitation? We tried to describe it this morning from various perspectives in time. Where are you? And what do you need to do in order to be right with God? If there's anything that we can do to assist you in obeying that gospel plan of salvation, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, we're ready to do that. If we can assist you who are Christians, but maybe on the way, we're ready to do that too. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song.